Welcome to this podcast message from Kingdom Faith. Um, Kate obviously looks after Paul, uh, teaches him all that he needs to, to learn. And uh, so we're privileged of having Kate here. Um, and obviously Paul, as he comes and brings the word, we are honoured to have you uh, this morning. So thank you. Okay, if everybody would like to take a seat, and please welcome Paul as he comes and ministers to us. Hi, everybody. Hello. It's good to be here. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. I really just want to share with you today because really all I can talk about is what God is doing with us and as I share that with you, that you would gather and glean and, and learn from that so that we could walk together with Jesus. Okay. It's good to be here from Scarborough because historically Scarborough and London are, are very linked, you know, our two towns. <laughs> uh, if you go back to the days of Samuel Pepys, writing before the Great Fire of London, he, uh, he actually writes uh, at one time one summer and he says, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it's along the lines of nothing is happening in London because everyone is in Scarborough. <laughs> <laughs> and of course it was one of the places where coffee shops first appeared. Then you got them. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to remind everybody of that. And You're not making friends right now. No. <laughs> I'll also annoy anybody that loves Brighton because, of course, Scarborough also claims to be the first seaside resort due to what was going on at that time and the wonderful spa waters. And then I'll also tell you I'm from London anyway, so, you know, you should be able to tell. The, the longer I spend here, the stronger the accent gets. <laughs> when I hear myself preaching in Scarborough, it sounds like, oh, I sound so London because I don't think I do anymore. And then when I come to London, we were in amongst the people of London and, and, and there are people talking with local accents and they sound strange and I think, what has happened to me? <laughs> so it's good to be amongst you. It's good to be in amongst the sort of multicultural, diverse environment that I so love about London with people from everywhere. But yes, our links are strong and we'll make strong spiritual links as well. Do you know what people used to come from London for? They used to come to receive healing and restoration. So a bit of a two-way flow there, I think, will be good, don't you? They used to go to the spa to drink the water, which apparently was kind of, they think now, kind of like a strong Alka-Seltzer. So it did have a little bit of medicinal benefit, possibly, maybe, except for the other stuff that was in there. So we won't go, won't go there. But uh, no, it's really good to be with you. I want to uh, jump straight in, because I don't want to take too much time off you. And I'm going to go to John 20. It's great what was just said about being made in the image of God. But what is the image of God? Who is God? And uh, one of the things that we know is that God, one of the ways he describes himself and portrays himself is very much as the three persons, the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And have you ever thought how intriguing it is that they are defined by one another? You can't have a father unless there is something else. You can't be a father and have no children. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. Uh, you can't be a son unless you have a father or a mother, a parent. 
And the Holy Spirit himself, when the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Old Testament, the word used is ruach, which means the breath of God. You don't get much more intimate than that. And when the, in the story of the creation of Adam, it says that God breathed, it's the same word, he breathed ruach, Holy Spirit, into Adam, and life came into Adam. He kissed Adam and his breath went into him. So in the core of, of who God is, is relationship. It's Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The very thing that makes up God is the persons of God relating to one another. Not a set of individuals, but a set of completely interrelated, interrelated persons of God. And you, then when you look at what Jesus talks about of the church, he talks about how they will know that you're my people. They will know that you're the church. They'll know you're Christians by the love you have one for another. Why? Because that is the image of God. Do you want to know what God looks like? Have a look around the room. This is it. He looks like this. He looks like interconnected relationships. And we live in a world that's actually quite individualistic. It's all about succeeding and, and doing your own thing and appearing on Britain's Got Talent and all those kind of things. It's like individual success. I bet you know the scripture um, uh, for that, about uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What's gone? What is that old? Well, there's lots of ways we could talk about it and we could, we could probably have a whole sermon series. But just for this minute, it's the individual person who is in rebellion to God. It is the person who is separated, not only from God, but actually separated from one another. When you see what's happening in the world right now, if you see what's happening with the Mexican wall and Brexit and everything else that's going on, not stepping into politics for a moment, but just seeing that it comes from a fear of the other. It comes from a fear of being connected with that which is different. And the church is exactly that. This, this communion that we've just celebrated is the, is the meal of the world that can bring the world together as one people. There is no one that can, can be turned away from that if they say yes to Jesus. It is, it is, the, it is the one meal. And thus the church, in all our diversity, is actually representing God. I mean, you know God is love, right? It's basic, basic lessons today. <laughs> but if you think about it, if God is love and has always been love, he must have always been more than one. Not more than one God, but more than one person. You can't love and not have someone to love. You'd be a narcissist. God is in heaven loving himself. It doesn't sound a very nice picture, does it? But of course, God's never been alone. In the beginning, God created. The word there is Elchim. It's the Hebrew word. Now, the Hebrew scholars from, from our Jewish friends will tell you that often in Hebrew, when you want to emphasize the strength or the majesty of something, then you can pluralize it to show that. But what if God was behind the writing of the Bible? Oh, he is. <laughs> or even, even the Shema, which is the great he Hebrew statement of faith that we have from Moses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Yahweh Elohim is one. The Lord your gods... Oh, that's a bit odd. But what's really odd is the word one. Which is echad, I believe. Because in Hebrew, the, they have two good words for the one. We generally only have one. Stay with me. 
And we can use one in different ways. You can use one to say unique. There is only one Paul Abel in the world. Some of you are thinking right now, thank God for that. But you know, there is only one, but there's only one Jonathan Croft as well, and we'd all like more of him. <laughs> He's unique. And that, but the Hebrew word used is the word that means one for the collective. It means a bringing together to make one, a unity. It's the, you could describe it, it's similar to if we talk about the one church. Obviously, that would be in Greek because that's the New Testament, but uh, that word is ice, but, or heis. But it has the same meaning of bringing together the one body. So, when, even when that is recited, Hear, O Israel, know that the Lord, the Lord is one. They're saying he is one of a joining together, of a complete and utter unity. Isn't that good? See, this is what the image of God is. It's a coming together of persons in relationship with one another to reflect the glory of God. You can't have individual Christians. It doesn't exist in this book here. You have to belong to the body actively. Otherwise, you're just a little toe, sort of looking like a worm going down the street, trying to say, I'm a body. No, you're not. You're a toe. Okay, you're a very, you could be a very nice toe, very beautiful toe, fully manicured nails toe. But if you're a toe on your own, you're horrific. <laughs> Imagine just a little toe coming down the hill. <laughs> you wouldn't all be going, oh, isn't it sweet? What a lovely little toe. <laughs> Jonathan would be picking up and saying, who's this belong to? Who's dropped it? <laughs> we're together in this. But we're together in this because that is the image of God. And you think about all the, you know, it's one of the things that's most fought against within the church because we all know other people are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't they? You know, other people. <laughs> yeah, it's the people that really enthusiastically said yes, you've got to love them. That's why scripture says bear with one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, love one another. But actually it genuinely is why it says that. Absolutely. Because people are annoying. But the thing is, when they are annoying, or when you are, they are annoying you, you realise that what's going on is it's just what's in you. You could never actually blame somebody else. I mean, you could say, they're a terrible person, they're so selfish, they do all this. But actually, all it's done is brought something out of you. And it's not actually your job to judge them anyway. So God actually deliberately puts people next to you that will wind you up. Because you've got to find out what's inside you so you can get rid of it. Because we are supposed to be... And we are a picture of who God is, as in Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I wasn't going to talk about this today, but hey, we're there. It's, it's your children's workers' fault. They mentioned Trinity, and I love the Trinity, you know. Um, the, East, the old Eastern Church, the Greek Orthodox, they had a fantastic way of talking about the Trinity. Because that they were, you see, the Trinity is thought to be a bit of an issue. I will keep the same thread going in a minute and finish what my sentence, but I keep jumping into something else. I, I appreciate that. But they, they had this picture of the Trinity because to them the Trinity wasn't a problem. It was the answer to understanding God. In, uh, in, um, in, your, in North Yorkshire, there's a, an abbey called Fountains Abbey and it goes back a long time. And uh, apparently... 
in the, I think it's in the guidebook, or there's an inscription there. I haven't been there and seen it myself. I just read about it. And in this, it's, giving, it's describing what happens in the different areas. And in this particular area, it says, in this area, the abbot would preach to the monks every Sunday, except for Trinity Sunday, owing to the difficulty of the subject. But <laughs> 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 really, the Trinity is not a problem. It's actually an answer to understanding who God is and who we are and how we can join in. And so the Eastern Orthodox Church, they, 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 they would describe it. I mean, we're talking around 300, so it's a long time ago. Um, they would describe God as, they used a Greek word called perichoresis, but it means, kind of, it means to be sort of dancing around, full of energy, full of passion, full of relationship. And I love it that if you look at creation, if you sort of go out from here into the solar system, you find that you've got all the planets and they are all technically in relationship with one another. It's gravity that keeps them all together. None of the planets is an individual. There's this constant movement. I mean, it's incredibly complex when you start to think about it because you've got like a spinning Earth and a moon spinning around the Earth and then the Earth spinning around the sun and then the solar system all moving and then the solar system moving away from a supposed mid-centre centre of the universe, depending on what theory you're subscribing to this minute. Okay? So, it's all this energy and emotion, but it's all kept together by the relationship between. But if you go small, what do you discover? You discover atoms. And then you decide that, you, and, and once upon a time, that was, that was it. We weren't going to go any smaller. And then we discovered we could go smaller. And we discovered that atoms are made up of neutrons and electrons and protons. And do you know what they're doing? They're all moving rapidly around one another. And you can go smaller, you can go to gluons and quarks, but we won't bother. Right, there they are, going round and round and round and round, spinning round one another, all in relationship with one another. And if you want to cause a nuclear explosion, you probably don't, because I'm, I'm assuming you're peaceful people. <laughs> but if you did, don't. Or maybe you want to just harness it for a good thing. Uh, you, want to get, you want to access nuclear energies. Well, the thing that keeps them together is called nuclear force. And to get the energy of, a, of a, a bomb or a power station, it's the breaking apart that does it. The energy is not in the neutrons and the electrons. It's in the relationship. And I just find that intriguing because that fits so well. And if you think God is our creator, his signature is everywhere, from the tiniest that you can see to the largest that you can see. He says the energy, the power, the dynamis is in the relationship. If you really want to walk with God and know God, you've got to walk with someone. It's no such thing as going it on your own. You can't go from one church to one church to one church, whichever one works with your last night bedtime. It's not going to work because you've got to connect with people. If you want to know Jesus, get to know this guy. I can't remember your name. Mark. Mike. Get to know Mike. Or get to know Helena. Or get to know Andrew. Because he radiates Jesus. He radiates the Holy Spirit. And the Father loves him. And as you bounce around and spark off one another you'll discover that there is an energy in those relationships. And the energy is called love. Love is actually the nuclear force of the universe. It is actually the connector that empowers everything because God is love. But love is for something. If you want to, oh, I want to receive the love of God. And often what people mean is, I want to get a nice tickly feeling down my spine. That's not love. 
that's a nice tickly feeling down your spine. <laughs> Love is what you do when you connect with other people. Especially when you discover things in others that annoy you. Usually the things in others that annoy you are the things that are in you that you prefer not to know about. That's why your own children can be really annoying. Because they manifest all the things that you thought you kept well hidden. And they've learnt them from you. And it's not fair. <laughs> but it's true. That's why God gives us to one another. That's why he places us in a body. Sometimes people will say, you know, and this is true, this is not wrong, that the body is there so that when you've got somebody there to comfort you when things go wrong. But actually the body is there to enjoy one another when things are going absolutely fantastic. In fact, it's one another that can bring joy. I mean, I think it's a particular challenge for you as a people because of where you're coming from all different places. But it's a challenge to overcome because we will actually discover more of who Jesus is. In one another. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. How precious people are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to know Jesus? Get to know Andrew. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yes. It's the secret weapon of God, really. This is nothing to do with... Well, I suppose it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll say it is. <laughs> I was going to go from John 20, wasn't I? I wasn't there a little while ago. So when uh, one of those threads that I left hanging was, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. And I threw out there that in the old that is gone is the individual, the person whose identity comes from how much money they earn or what clothes they wear or what tribe they're part of or whether they're a Remainer or a Brexiter, you know, or whether they're a Conservative or Labour. And their identity comes from that. that. That's the individual. That's what we, what we grow up with, what we're conditioned with. But when you go into the baptismal pool, the old is gone. Yeah. And the new that comes up, let's call it a person. Because you are restored to your connection with God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But you are restored only to that in as much as you can see it with one another. If you ever meet somebody who thinks that they're really, really holy because they spend all the time in prayer, but they never meet other people. They don't have an especially close relationship with God, because you can only know God if, as much as you relate to others. That's true. Yeah. But people don't like that, because it's costly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just want to get on with our own little private lives and wear our own clothes that we want. And Jonathan's already mentioned my jackets, so... <laughs> you know I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone. <laughs> But the person, your identity, in fact, if, you, if Claire wants to know who she is, she has to look at other people and relate to them. There's a worldly lie that to, you have to go off to remote places to find out who you are inside, you know, get down inside yourself. I mean, if you do that before you know Jesus, you're just going to find a lot of gunk. Because <laughs> that's what we are. But in Jesus... That is left at the pool. Yeah. And, we, and the way to discover who we are is to learn who we are with other people. The problem with people is that they're real. With God, we can pretend. Yeah. We can sit. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, we can sit in a chair at home and have an absolutely amazing, wonderful prayer time, 
all while we're thinking horrendous thoughts about somebody else that annoyed us. If you've never done that, I've done that. Thought, oh, amazing, quiet prayer time. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Can't believe they did that. Come on, Jesus. I keep particularly feeling down the spine line. I want the feelings today. <laughs> let, me th- let me tell you this. If you know Jesus and you're in relationship with Jesus, if we're going to walk with Jesus, as, as, we was, as I was singing earlier, if we're going to walk the journey of life, there will be feelings because love has feelings. But we're not just seeking feelings. We're seeking relationship. You know, if my, I have a good relationship with my wife, you'd be pleased to know, after 30-odd years. But <laughs> if all I wanted from her was feelings, it would be a pretty limpy relationship. <laughs> just make me feel nice. But I want to tell you about what I did. I don't want to know what you did. Just make me feel nice. Stroke me. <laughs> Give me a hug. I'm a bit of a touchy-feely person. Yeah. Just hug me. Just touch me. No, I don't want to know. don't want to know what you did. I know you had a bad day. I can't cope with that right now. Just hug me. Just hug me. You know, it's, it, that relationship's not going anywhere. If it's like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. She won't allow it. <laughs> There's a passage in John 20 that is the great hope of the world for the, for the church of today. Because you've got... How am I doing, Jonathan? Oh, he's not looking at it. He's not looking at his watch. It's okay. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my clock on, so I'm, I'm just being super good. There we go. Oh, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> Thanks, Apple. Thanks, Tim Apple. Anyway. On the evening of that first day, it says in, in verse 9, let's get biblical, shall we? Hopefully we have it already where the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. This is the church gathering after Jesus has risen from the dead. In a room with the doors locked for fear of what might happen. I mean, if there had been a a National Geographic Award that year at this point for the group of people least likely to change the world or start a religion, (laughs) they would have got it. This scared little group of men. Maybe some of the women were there. I do not know at this point. They're gathered in this room and they've locked all the doors, all the windows, because they're frightened of what's going to happen next. But before we judge them, we would probably be there with them or maybe we wouldn't even be there with them because it would be safer not to be with them. Because there was an awful bunch of people who turn up later for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's always people like that, isn't there? You've done all the meetings... And then they just turn up on the day God pours out. But, you know, that's God. (laughs) But they weren't there. They weren't in that room. It was just this lot, really, really scared, really, really frightened, so that they've locked all the doors. Uh, And this is the hope of the world. But it is the hope of the world, because no matter how scared you feel at times, or how much you can't engage someone in conversation in Costa's, or Starbucks, or wherever, Pret-a-Manger, probably you lot, you're from London. You work there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got distracted by coffee shops. It's your fault. <laughs> anyway, they're all there, and they're the hope of the world because of the very fact that they are this frightened. Yeah. And the reason they're that frightened is because their relationship with Jesus has broken down completely, which isn't surprising because he's dead. You know, we, I don't know if you've found that experience that does affect a relationship. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
your fault. You keep laughing. But they're scared and they're frightened, but wonderful, because wherever we are as people, we can look to that group and think, this is the group that turned the world upside down. National Geographic, North BC, got it wrong. They were the people that started something completely new. They were the people that changed the world upside down. But it came from a relationship. And what happens next is Jesus just comes and appears in the room. Now, I need to raise this slightly because it's a small text Bible. And I can't read it right down there. That's too high now. Never mind. <laughs> what does he do when he arrives? He says, Shalom Achem. Peace be with you. Because he knows how frightened they are. The first thing he does is just give them his peace. This is good practice when you've got to do anything that you're a bit worried about, a bit scared about, not sure if you're going to cope with what God's going to take you through next. Just get before God. And if you want to march up and down shouting some scriptures, that's a good thing to do, you know, declaring scripture. But sometimes just be silent. There's a time to be, thank you, Jesus. We are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You've given us every victory. There's nothing impossible. There's very much, do that, do that, do that. But if you ever find yourself doing it, you can sometimes, and you, you, only you know, you can even do that from fear. You're trying to manipulate God through his own scripture to give you the right answer. I've got there. I don't know if you have. And so sometimes in those situations, hang on, let's stop a minute. If I'm going to do this, I need to do it in faith. And just take a minute, or two, or three, and just say, Jesus, I need your peace. And Jesus will be there with you. Shalom. Peace. Shalom alchem. Peace be with you. My peace. Which dispels fear. Cast all of that on him. And the peace of God, the shalom, of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love that because it reminds us when it says transcends all understanding. You see, often we're fearful because we want understanding, and in that current situation, it might be impossible. Yeah, I want God's peace, but I've got to understand. Then you might not actually be able to receive the peace because you need to just surrender it to God. I don't understand this. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why that person got hurt. I don't know why my family member is sick. But I'm just going to have to surrender it to you. Because if I carry on fretting and worrying about it, it's actually going to harm our relationship, our walk together. And right now in this room, fear has dis is, is, is pulling apart the relationship the disciples have had with Jesus. So the first thing he says is shalom. Shalom. It's very similar to the Arabic, isn't it? It's because Hebrew and Arabic are so similar when you hear them spoken. And if you transliterate the words, they, they can be very, very similar. If anybody ever wish, wishes you, Salam Walaikum, just Walaikum Salam, knowing you're going to give them the peace of Jesus. It's just words. It's the heart and the faith behind them that makes the difference. Anyway, after this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
I mean, the word, uh, uh, sometimes the NIV is, is it, it's so dry, isn't it? You know, it's great. It's, I love it. It's a great translation. It's an accurate translation. But sometimes you just think, oh, please put some feeling in it. Because <laughs> the feeling is there in the original. It, that word means ecstasy, exaltation. It means a rapture. These guys aren't just, oh, this is amazing. They, they, they were probably jumping about like little children that have just got a bar of chocolate and they weren't expecting it. They, they do this, don't they? There's <laughs> 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 a little viral video was going out on uh, Twitter yesterday of a little uh, baby girl having her first ever chocolate milkshake. And the joy of chocolate milkshake is written all over her face. I mean, they got her addicted rather like young. But, but the, the, these disciples, they weren't just, oh, this, yeah. this was exuberant. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Calm down, lads. <laughs> Let me talk to you for a minute. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I mean... He's not done a lot of speaking at this point. These guys are locked in a room through fear. He turns up, says, look at the holes. They all go, why? And he says, right, go. I love this version of the Great Commission. Most people, you think we think of Matthew 28, don't we? But this is a great one. It's a Trinitarian one as well, because look, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The gospel message is a message of forgiveness right from the very beginning. Go and take my message of unconditional acceptance, except that you believe in me. Unconditional in the sense there's no other conditions, there's no preconditions, there's nothing that says you can't be with Jesus. You just need to believe what I've done for you so that you can take hold of it. And that's what goes on here. Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sending us. But that's not surprising, because in that perichoresis, the moving in and out, and when another word for it, that, that if we translated it to English from those um, church fathers, those Greek church fathers, those Eastern church fathers, is divine dance. It's that constant movement. You've off, you may have heard of the solar system being described as an amazing dance of the planets because of this constant movement around. It's the same when we go to the micro level. There's this dance happening. But actually, maybe all it is is a picture. Because the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, despite the paintings, are not just sat there looking slightly grim. They always seem to look slightly grim in most paintings, don't they? They're full of energy, they're moving, they're, sh they're turning around, they're, 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 they're relating to one another, they're loving one another. But more than that, they're going to other people and saying, do you want to follow? Come join the dance. It's not a sat in the chair thing. You got really nervous then, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Horse or fox? Yeah, you do, yeah. <laughs> no wonder you were worried. But it's a dance. 
because of the beautiful movement and the interconnections of it all. Our lives are like that. You know, you dance around and you meet someone. And then you find that you're dancing with them for another, I don't know, when did I meet you? A long time ago, 30 years ago probably. And we've danced together in one way ever since. And every now and again, like the planets, we come into conjunction and we're doing things together again. But it's a beautiful thing that God has got all there, planned, purpose. Because every person, as a person, is unique. But what makes them unique as a person is the way they connect with God and other persons. Rather than discovering who I am deep in. It's actually discovering who I am through what, how I'm living out what God has given me to do. So the church is sent on a commission by Jesus at this point. We don't go on mission, you know. The church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission and we join it. He's already out there in numerous ways. Sometimes he's even in amongst the church being active. You know, when we're looking for things to do in the community, it's asking God, it's like, well, what are you doing already, God? We were very privileged in Scarborough that, well, it's God's timing and everything, that as we started as a, as a congregation back in 2007, unbeknownst to us in 2007, it was a low point in Scarborough's history in terms of uh, violence on the streets and antisocial behaviour and everything else. At the time, the, uh, the crime rate had got so high, they were comparing the small streets of Scarborough with inner city Manchester, which is ridiculous that it could get there. Yeah, but in the nighttime economy, this is. And so the Home Office was involved. So that's how we got involved with the Home Office and the local council. And for, through that, I'm not going to give this story because I'm sure many of you heard of it. Um, we, start, we started the various angels' ministries, but it was a... It was one of those things that God just gave us here, joining with this. It wasn't actually our idea. The people that wanted to start it were the council and the police. And we just said, we can do that. Uh, there, and this year, Brian uh, and another guy called John Begin, Brian, who is the, one of the leaders of Kingdom Faith Yorkshire with me, he, very soon, I can't remember when it is, Kate, but they're jumping out of an aeroplane on a sponsored parachute drop. I say to him, I just try not to think about it, Brian. You can't keep asking me to promote it. So that they're raising money because it's 10 years since the angels began. That's great. So a work has happened. Uh, but it was, it was a work that God gave us to connect. Because not only do we need connections with one another, we need connections with the world around us. See, most people these days, they're really not that interested in Christianity because of what they know. But then when you find out what they know, if I knew what they know, I wouldn't want Christianity either. <laughs> so the only way it can be changed is if they trust the person that they're listening to. Yeah. And the only way you really trust people that you're listening to is by connections. Yeah. So you think they might have got something worth listening to. I mean, it often means we have to listen to what they've got to say. Yeah. And if we just say, oh, that's a load of rubbish, yeah. they're not going to listen either. We need to respect that most people, by and large, are intelligent beings. Even if they have some weird views. 
we don't really need to jump on the world's way, especially today, this, this whole split and fear of the other. Yeah. You know, it, so if you're a Brexiteer, you can't even call them Remainers, you've got to call them Ramonas. Yeah. And, you just, and, and everything they say is stupid. Yeah. You just throw insults across the room. This, this, this is nursery school debate. Yeah. We, we've got to become, a, we've got, we, and only, the, only we can change this by not joining in with that, but engaging with people. But not engaging with people to just throw insults. Well, of course your way isn't right, your religion. Because Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. It's ridiculous. I don't believe a word you say. You've got nothing to contribute to society. Well, with all due respect, that's rubbish. They're human beings. They were created by our God. They're so precious to him that Jesus came and died on the cross for them, even if they don't believe it. They may be caught up in a place that is far away from God, but God is still calling them to come and join the dance. But they're only going to hear that call from a person that's willing to respect them, wherever it is. Religious belief or that they're in a state of... Um, you know, where their lives have just fallen apart through all sorts of reasons, sin or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. When we go on the streets as the angels or into the communities, the community angels are working with young people. I mean, a lot of our young people um, are incredibly, the ones that come work with the youth angels, are incredibly confused sexually. Some of them are transgender, some of them don't know if they're transgender, some of them just don't know, some of them are furries, some of them, there's a huge range of confusion. And by the grace of God, the word in Scarborough is the safe place to go if you're that confused is the church called Kingdom Faith. I don't agree with the way they live in their life, but they are precious. And not just because they're young people either. And the only way they're going to learn is if I sit down. I mean, look at Jesus on by the well yeah. with the woman at the well. He shouldn't have even been in Samaria. He was a Jewish rabbi. You don't go to Samaria as a Jewish rabbi. We need to go some places we're not supposed to go to. He went to the town of Sychar, which means the town of lying and drunkenness, which describes the nightlife in many of our towns. And he goes into this town, and you know, it's like the disciples are saying, Jesus, we can't go to Samaria. We're going to Samaria. <laughs> well, as long as we're in Samaria, let's go to one of the better places. We're going to Sychar. We're going to Sychar. <laughs> the town of Light. Okay, so we're going into the town of Sychar. Oh, great. It's midday. Hardly anybody's about. We'll go and get some food. Just stay safe, Jesus. Whatever you do, don't talk to anyone. Especially don't talk to women. <laughs> because you're a rabbi and you don't talk to women. What does he do? He talks to a woman. Well, if you're going to talk to a woman, make sure that at least she's a decent, respectable woman. How many husbands has she had? What kind of, she's getting her water at midday because of the shame upon her in a town of shame? Well, talk to her, but make it quick and walk away. You know, just, God bless you. <laughs> he sits next to her. He's doing the divine dance. The father is watching on and gazing adoringly. The spirit is with him at this time because he's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he sits down next to a person he shouldn't go near, let alone sit and talk to. Okay, well, if you're going to sit and talk to her, at least teach her a few rabbinical things. Whatever you do, don't engage. Don't put yourself in a debt. Could you get me some water? 
He's breaking every rule. How about we engage with some people that we shouldn't be engaging with? How about we even put ourselves in their debt and ask them to help us? Sometimes it's good to help as the church. We need to wave a flag, but sometimes we say, should we do this together? And we respect people's dignity of where they're at. One of, the strugg- one of the conflicts, I suppose, one of the struggles we've had with community angels is because we work with the police and councils and doctors and people like that, they keep wanting us to call the people we work with clients. And I say it's a terrible word because it puts you in a position of superiority and, and you know, they're our clients. No, they're not. They're the people we live next door to. They're the people whose town we share that we want to walk with them while they've tripped so that we can help them up and we can walk together and they get out of this current difficulty that they're in. So we'll may- maybe we'll walk to the debt advice service with them and help them to start getting their finances into place. Or we walk next door to the neighbour and see if we can resolve this dispute that's gone on. Or we just walk with them because the fear and anxiety has been so incredible they haven't gone outside their house. So we tell them about a place called The Summit that you could go to on a Friday afternoon. And so they might come there and then it feels a safe place. And over time, through just showing this acceptance, by the grace of God, this is nothing we've done, God has done something remarkable because we've just had a report done on us by North Yorkshire Public Health um, investigating us, not, not from a negative thing, but because they want money to come our way for the work that we do, but they want to be able to put sort of numbers and figures and be able to justify this is why public fu- funds are going to a church. And the report has come through and it's it's, 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 it's an incredibly positive report. It talks about our social value being, it's something like for every pound you put in, the gross amount you get back of value in terms of service is 17 pounds something. That's a pretty good investment. Um, it talks about it, the, the group that did it were the group that evaluated the social value of the Olympics. So they're not some tin pot group. <coughs> and uh, they, they said, we've had to come up with a new measure because there's something going on that you have generated that we don't normally talk about. And they said, and we thought they were talking about faith. And they said, no, it's not faith. We, we've not done faith. We're not believers. We're, sec- we're secular people. We don't know how to measure faith. You're going to have to do that bit, which we were quite happy with. <laughs> Because it's a secular report to go to secular groups, so that's fine. But he said, the one thing that has come across that we've, we've measured, we've decided to call it trust. He said, because we've encountered, because they interview people on the streets and people using the building and, and all kinds of people. They said, the thing we've discovered is that people trust you. And that's what we've got to be as the church. Yeah. Because the only way you can be get saved is if you trust God. Yeah. But it's very hard to see him unless you look at this group. So the first step of coming to trust God is to perhaps trust someone that knows him, that can introduce them. And that takes time. Yeah, it does. It's a suspicious world, yeah. quite rightly for some of the things that have happened in the church. Yeah. It's not like it's all made up. So we've got to cross those barriers. It's not compromising how God wants us to live, but it's not trying to make everybody else live like that before they even know God. 
God has actually given them the freedom to live however they want to live, even if it's despicable in terms of sin. He still loves them. He still wants to connect. He still wants to walk in the garden as he did with Adam and Eve with them. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have sent us into his mission. And what do we take? The peace. Wouldn't it be awesome if all of us, in every, re in every remit of life that we're in, whether it's in a coffee shop, a school, an office, House of Lords, House of, Par House of Commons, the local council, that we took peace. Because that's actually the ministry we have. Paul described it as the ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes people only focus on it's people getting reconciled with God. But actually we take peace. Yeah. We, can, we can bring reconciliation between people groups that don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. We can still bring God's peace into situations and allow connections and communication. Yeah. As long as we don't get annoyed by them. Yeah. Sinners can be really annoying. Probably not as annoying as church, let's face it. But... <laughs> They can be really annoying, but again, it's often what it's revealing is what's going on in us. There's a judgment. We want to judge that person ourselves rather than leave it to God. It's not our job to judge. Whatever their lifestyle, whatever they're into, whatever they do, when you come across an individual, it's not our job to say, because God is the judge. He is the convictor of sin. He doesn't need us to do it for him. He's very good at it. Because when he does it, people get set free. When we do it, we actually join the other side and people feel condemned. That's why we can't do it. We can't bring freedom. But Jesus can. We can still talk about the truth and what is right and how God calls us. But we need to do it in a way that doesn't say so. You have got no hope. We've got to be like Jesus and sit down next to the person at the well the woman at the well, and be prepared to be in their debt. Could you get me a glass of water? And from that encounter, that woman who thought she was unacceptable in a town of unacceptables, comes to know Jesus as Lord. She even goes to that town where she is rejected and brings, come and see Jesus. She's the very first evangelist in the Gospels. Church history, I don't know whether this is true or not, but it's church history says her name was Phototini. But you didn't know that. <laughs> Phototini, I know it's such a name, I've never forgotten it after reading it. She's, and she's got all, in, in, the, in the stories of her, she had all, all, many children, but whom she leads to the Lord, and they all go out evangelising. And she died in Rome as a martyr. <coughs> it's not in the Bible, so, but it is in church histories. It's a fascinating story, isn't it, to think that that woman became a church leader. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. I think I need to finish. I, I hope all of I, I've tried all I've tried to do today is leave you with some stuff to, to 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 meditate upon, to feast upon, and to think about who we are as a people. In uh, Yorkshire, what the thing that God has done with us over the past year is we've discovered a whole new adventure in who God is as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relations, and it's changed us a lot.
it's, help, it's, it's, it's enabled us to see that community is not a bolt-on or a nice idea. It's who God is and actually it's who we are. But even more excitingly, it's a community that doesn't turn in but looks out because God is ascending God. The Holy Spirit didn't circle forever and not bother with creation. Because they were love together, that love had to create, had to change, had to bring life. And that's the same love that's in the church today. So even as we're a stronger community, we become a community that's reaching out. But the love we reach out with is the same love that enabled Jesus to sit down next to the world, despite what would have been the horror of his disciples that a rabbi was sitting and talking to a woman in that culture. It was a terrible, he was risking his entire reputation. Well, church, we've got to risk our reputations by the people we connect with so that the light shines in the darkness, not the slightly greyness. Yeah, we need to be in the dark places. Sometimes people get frightened, or you go there, you'll get darkness on you. Listen, light. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com. Amen.